Father, we ask that in the name of Jesus, that your spirit is poured out over all of us, Lord God. Lord God, let us not be satisfied with just showing up. Let it bother us if we just show up and not expect you. Father, you've come so that we may be set free. So, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare our souls for all that you have for us in this time. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing up. You are better than what we deserve. So we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Listen, we're going to, you guys may be seated. We're going to get right into it. Um, if you can keep that background synth thing going, I'd appreciate it. Um, and then I'll let you know when to turn it off. Father, help me deliver this word today. Help me. Um, growing up, growing up, my dad, I remember being 13 years old and we had bought a new house and living in Brooklyn, New York, that's a big deal. Um, we had bought a house, and my dad was like, you want to go paint? And, you know, 12, 13, I'm excited. I'm excited to go paint. I'm like, yes, let's go paint. And um, <laughs> where we lived was literally three or four blocks down the street. It was just a house. And I remember getting there, and my dad opening the door to his brand, our brand new house as a family. And he starts looking around. Now, my dad has been in construction for 30-plus years, and he worked he worked on the AOL Time Warner building. He worked on pretty significant buildings in New York. And when he walks into this house, he's looking around and he's seeing all the things. And he goes, Jeremy, we can't paint today. And my 12 or 13-year-old little heart was just broken. Because I was so ready to paint with my dad. And so he's looking around the house. And as a construction, he's seeing all the deficiencies in the house. And that day would begin a two to four year construction project in our house. My dad would gut out the floor, like literally gut out the floor to where we, you can look downstairs into the basement. Every room was renovated with him and a couple of friends. Every single room was renovated. There are times when we were living in portions of the house that weren't even complete. We were, me and my brothers were living in one room. My sister was living in another room. Everyone was living uncomfortable. And that was the norm for us for two to four years. And then after a while, and then like our floors, they were nice wooden floors. So he would put like this paper on it because he wanted to take care of it through the construction. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? That brown paper, right? And so like we used to play like almost like Jenga or color on the floor because like you'd rip up a piece of paper and then you just put a brand new square over it. And so for years and years, my dad, that was like, that's his baby. And he was so passionate about that house. And he, 
like he redid each and everything. And then as we got older and grew up in that house, like we would leave areas of the house dirty or messy or not clean our rooms or whatever. And he would get so frustrated. He would get so frustrated. And I used to be like, what the heck is your problem? What are you frustrated about? It's not a big deal. I'll clean it up in a couple minutes. And then I got older and a couple years ago, my brother sent me a picture of where my dad grew up. Don't put that picture up yet, Adeline. I'll, tell, I'll let you know. My, my brother sent a picture of where he grew up. And then my heart broke because I saw what he grew up in. I saw why he took care of everything that he had in his life. I saw why he was so meticulous on his house. I saw why he put so much life into this thing, literally blood, sweat, and tears into this house because I saw where he came from. Nathan, if you could throw up that picture, that's what my dad grew up in. In the island of Grenada, that's what he grew up in. Single mom, two sons, and it hasn't, and when my uncle showed my brother this picture, he's like, not much has changed from when we grew up. There's another one there. Yeah, look at that. That, that, that was his house. It was a shack. It was a shack that he grew up in. That's what he grew up in. So moving to America and owning your own house and living in that growing up where your mom and you sell fruit in the market to make, men, um, uh, to make ends meet. He knew something about stewardship. He got it. He understood it. He took care of everything that he had because he knew where he came from. He knew what it was like to be without. So much so that when God allowed him and blessed our family with the house, he said, no, no, I got to take care of this. And I think for a lot of us in here, how you steward what God gives you will reflect your attitude of thankfulness. See, he took care of the house. He made it better than what he had received it in. He added value to the house than what he bought it for. I think for some of us, <laughs> I don't know if we're showing thankfulness if we were to look at our lives in the areas of how we steward things. Are we really thankful? <laughs> If people have to stand up here and stir you to worship and praise your father, are we stewarding our worship? Are we stewarding the, 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 the family and the community that God has placed us in? Are we stewarding them well? Are you stewarding your brothers and sisters well? Are you stewarding your own home well? Are you stewarding your heart well? Does it reflect thankfulness in your heart? These are some real questions. And oh, I'm not coming up here and I'm not preaching and I'm not angry. This is just really coming from a heart of the Holy Spirit where he's just like, how are you stewarding the things that I gave you? Are you stewarding your children well? Are you stewarding your job well? Do you care? Because some of us have seemed to have forgotten where we've come from.
Love is the prime motivation of biblical stewardship. Whatever you don't love, you won't steward. If it's not grounded in love, it becomes grounded in lust. If what you steward is not grounded in love, it becomes grounded in lust because it becomes you're chasing after something, you're pursuing something. When it's grounded in love, you say it's coming and it's going. It is okay, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Are you stewarding your church well? Some of you guys prayed for this church. Some of you guys prayed, God, put there a church where I could be accepted for who I am. Are you stewarding your church well? I can't answer that. You do. When stewardship is grounded in lust, it, the question now becomes, what can I get for this? What can I gain from this? If it's not doing something for me, I don't want it. Biblical, biblical stewardship turns focusing on me to focusing on we. You see, my dad, he wasn't just focused on him when he bought this house. He saw the condition that it was purchased in. He knew my family cannot live in these conditions. I will not allow my family to live in these conditions where there's paint coming off the wall, where there's um, wooden steps that are about to break down, when the floor is caving in. I will not allow my family to live in these conditions. And so in an act of stewardship, if I have to transform this entire house to make Make it a place of rest for myself and my family. He was not thinking of me. He was thinking of we. And how many of us in the same spirit can we say we're stewarding well? If it's only about, oh, I come to this church because of how it makes me feel, that's not stewardship. That's lust. That's selfishness. Biblical stewardship looks at we and says, you know what? I got to show up because there are, there's family depending on me. There's family needing me to be here, whether I think so or not, whether I think I add um, anything or not, family's depending on me to be here. You're not just making coffee. That's not it. If you think you're just making coffee, that's not it. You're serving someone a beverage that they might see Jesus through that. You're not just setting stuff up and tearing stuff down. That's not it. You're creating an environment. You're creating an environment so when someone comes in, they go, wow, you know what? They were super nice to me. Everyone said hello. I felt welcomed. And, you know, they don't own this building, but they sure take care of it as if it is theirs. If you just come and set up and tear down and throw stuff and don't care, you're paying for it. You're paying for it. Again, stewardship is not about me, it's about we. We see that in Genesis, God creates the earth and everything in it. And then he creates man and invites Adam into a partnership with this job description being stewardship. 
He invites Adam into partnership. And what does he tell him to do? He goes, I want you to steward everything that I've made. You see, when I was young, I didn't get it. I missed it because my dad, he put his life into this house. And he goes, this house is yours when I die. I want you to steward it from now so that when I die, you understand the value of it. There's so many of us God has given so much to, and we're not stewarding any of it. And so we devalue it and we're ungrateful for it. And so our attitude that should be gratitude is now ungratefulness. I don't know why we have to set up every Sunday. I don't know why we have to do this. I, don't, I just get tired of it. Yeah, I, you know what? I get it. I get it. I really do. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful for it because I'd rather be stewarding hard times in the will of God than be stewarding good times outside of his will. I'd rather be there. The Bible says, bear the yoke while you're young so that you may grow up in it. You want to know why it says bear the yoke while you're young? So you understand the weight of the calling of it. This is not a small calling church. This is a church with a big calling to impact our community. So if you come here and you just think, I'm just, we're just going to think small. and we're not, This may not be the church for you. This is a church we have been divinely positioned in downtown Memphis to have an impact on our community. So everything that you see around here needs to be stewarded as such. When people say, oh, this is a little church, we're a little church with a big spirit. We're a little church with a big calling. And I'm asking you guys, as, as a church family, don't see it as, oh, we only have a little number of people. We have a big spirit and a big calling. Because if you just think of this church as, oh, this is just a small, no, 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 there's a big calling. We're reaching people that big churches may not meet. You're not here by accident. You didn't come here to fill a seat. When do we make the shift from consumer to contributor? When do we make that shift? When I go home now, unfortunately, my dad had a stroke last year. When I go home and anything needs to be done in the house, I do it with joy because I see the value. Because it's no longer my father's house, it's my house. And where he can't do it, I got to do it. My brother's got to do it. My sister has to do it. Where he can't do it, I got to step up because it's not his. Legally. It's been signed into our names. It's my inheritance. And yet God is here. He's given this, the inheritance of heaven. And he said, create heaven on earth. And the way we steward it as if it's not. God creates man. He gives Adam his first job description is stewardship. A steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. That's what a steward is. What does he tell him in Genesis 2.15? He said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded him, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but don't eat from that tree. You don't eat from the tree of good and evil. And then he goes, he's like, not see, you guys have to understand, God didn't just give him a garden to steward. He gave him abundance to steward. God gave Adam abundance to steward. And there's a lot of us as believers, saints, that God has given us abundance to steward and we treat it frivolously. And we think it's not enough. Well, if I had more money, if I had a bigger house, if I had more friends, if I was in a relationship, 
then I would steward it well. God, how come I'm still stuck in this place? How come I'm still stuck at this job? And I really believe that God is like, well, you're not stewarding well what I've given you. I've given you abundance. If you can't steward abundance, what more can I give you? Not only does he give him abundance, he gives him a wife. He gives him a wife. He says, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to give you a wife. You can't be by yourself. You have to understand, hear me when I say this. You are not striving for abundance. When you said yes to Jesus, abundance became your birthright. Abundance became your birthright. And how you steward abundance, God will bless you with more or leave you where you're at. Because he's like, if you can't steward abundance well, I don't want you stewarding more. The most important thing about biblical stewardship is the posture of your heart and attitude. It's the posture of your heart and your attitude. That's the most important thing. Some of you guys pray for, oh, who doesn't pray for more money? But God is looking at what you do with the dollars he's given you already. You think those dollars are unaccounted for in heaven? Who doesn't want more responsibility? Who doesn't want more influence? Who doesn't want their space to increase? But why would God increase at the point of letting things die? Why would he give you more increase? Why would he give you more influence? Why would he give you more if the stuff that you're, to try, that you're trying to steward now is dying? That's why I don't, I don't, I don't buy plants. Some people buy plants and you walk into the house and all of them are dead. Why waste your money? Stop wasting your money. You're not stewarding it well. They're dead. And if we could take that same thought and apply it to the circle of our life, how many things are dead in our life that we've asked God for? That's why I believe that God doesn't answer certain prayers because he's like, you guys are like spoiled children. I give you the very thing you're praying for and then you don't even steward it. You don't even steward it. You prayed for this relationship. You prayed for these things, and you didn't even steward it well. You prayed for a job, you, and you hate your job now. You prayed for a spouse, and you hate your spouse now. You prayed to come to a college, and you hate the college now. So why would he give us more? Why would he trust us with more? And here's, and here's the fall, right? Let me, I'm going to, because I'm walking through all of it right now. In Genesis 3, 12 to 13, right? So God gives Adam and Eve abundance to steward. Steward abundance. You know what abundance means? You will never be without. You'll always have everything you ever need. You will, you will never be without. When I'm asking you to stu- see, when you're in line with the Holy Spirit and you're stewarding abundance, you'll never be without. And so what does Adam do? Adam and Eve, they eat of the fruit. And then the moment it says, the moment they ate of the fruit, what happens? I'll read it to you. It says, the man said, because Jesus says, where are you? 
have you eaten from what I command you not to eat from? And then Adam says, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree and I ate it. And then the woman goes, that serpent deceived me and that's why I ate it. And we could see here that stewardship, it shifts from abundant stewardship to blame shifting. And that's what we do nowadays, right? God, this is the job you gave me. How come it's not working out? This is the spouse that you gave me. This is the car that you gave me. And so instead of taking responsibility for our stewardship, we blame everyone and everything else as to why we can't steward abundance properly. If you ever want to know how well you're stewarding something, see who you're blaming for the problems. See who you're blaming for the problems. If it's always everyone else's fault, you're not stewarding well. It's almost like a direct reflection, like, you know what, I'm not stewarding this well. You're blaming someone else on why something's not getting done. You're saying, oh, it's their fault, it's their fault, it's everyone else's fault. And that tells me that I'm not stewarding well, because the steward says, it's my responsibility. I got to show up. I got to show out. This is not on them, it's on me. God has given me, this is part of my abundance, this is a part of my inheritance. God has given me this birthright. In Genesis 4, we see the first recorded murder because one of the brothers decided to steward creation according to God's will and one decided to steward creation according to his own. I want to let you guys know that the reason why you may not be stewarding things properly is because you're doing it according to your will. You're doing it according to me and not to we. I always find that things multiply when we steward according to we. That's God's will. Genesis 4, picking up in verse 2. It says, later, this is Eve, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. So Abel was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering. But his fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Both of them presented what they had, right? Both In, in, in life, all of us got to present what we have. All of us present to God what we have. All of us. So it wasn't that they didn't come. It wasn't that they didn't provide. It wasn't that they didn't offer. Both of them offered. But Abel understood that God deserved the first and the best because everything was his to begin with. Abel understood, I'm giving you the first and the best because this belongs to you anyway. Cain presented what he had left over. Cain believed that he deserved the first and the best and that God should take whatever he had left. It was a token offering and not a worship offering. How many times do we do that? As believers, look in the areas of our lives. I remember when my kids were first born, the very first thing I did they were brand spanking new to the earth, was that I gave them back to God. 
I prayed over them and I gave them back to God. But guess what? This is not me up here talking about from a place of perfection of, oh, I got it right. There are many things in my life that God has given me that I didn't turn back to him and it spoiled. How many times do we give Jesus the leftover? God blesses you with $10 and I got to pay my bills. I really got, I really, there's been some shoes or whatever. I'm going to, I really been saving to buy, so I'm going to do that first. You know what? I'm going to go to um, Temple Bucks, I mean Starbucks. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to take care of some other things. And you know what? This, God, I got $20 left over for you. And then we wonder why we're not living in the abundant life. And if you think, Pastor, you know, the church has a lot of money, you could think that. But you have to understand, tithe and giving isn't attached to my salary. It's not because I'm groveling and I need you to give. That's not for me. See, that's a heart posture. That's a heart posture. I'm not begging. When have I ever begged any of you guys for money? Never. I never have to beg because I know where it comes from. I know where abundance comes from, so I never have to stand up here. Neither does our team. None of us ever has ever stood up here and be like, please, please, if you can give, please, if you can do. I never do that. We never do that because we know abundance is our birthright. We know that it doesn't come from you. It comes from God. Because guess what? If you're not going to give, God is big enough and good enough to say, I'm going to take care of my church. I'm going to take care of it. But he's asking you, partner with me. Come. There is a blessing when you give, and it's not just for the church, but it's for you. It's for you. And still to this day, I don't tell you that to be like, I need you to give. I'm not telling you that. God has taken care of this church. In the five years that we've been here, God has taken care of us. It's up to you whether you want to be a partner or not. Because you're not going to stand, at the end of the day, I'm not going to call you this week and be like, let's talk about your giving. I'm not going to talk to you about that. Your life will be a reflection of how you steward what God has given you. You see, every so many times we hear that at the end of the day, God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he's going to say, what did you do with the money I gave you? What did you do with the possessions I gave you? God, I didn't have a lot of money. I only had, you you saw what I had left after my bills. What did you do with it? What did you do? Did you give, did you trust me first? Did you bring the best? Did you bring the first? Or did you follow Cain and brought what you had left over? You see, first fruits is abundant blessing. Leftover always leaves us lacking, always leaves us needing more. And here's the questions. I know, I know this, ain't a, this ain't a talk back message, and that's okay. It should, make us ask our, it should make us ask these questions. What do I own? And what does God own? Do I own my materials, or does God own it? Do I own my finances, or does God own it? Does God own my friends or do I own them? (laughs) Some of y'all don't have a lot of friends because you try to own them instead of giving them to God. 
Do I own my family? Or does God own them? Do I own my future? Or is my future in the hands of God? Does God own my job? Or do I own my job? I work hard. I got the promotion. Does God own my church? Or do I own it? And is the worship songs about how I feel? Is the church and how they move about my vision and my direction? Because if that's the way you think about church, welcome. You've submitted yourself to consumer Christianity. You've joined the rest of the world. And the reason why they leave church is because they don't do the songs I like. I don't like the way they do this. I don't. Why do you think they call it church shopping? It should break your heart when people say that. I'm shopping around for a church as if it's an aisle seven in Target? I'm shopping around? I hate that phrase. I hate, when I, when I meet God-led people, it's just like the Lord led me here. Whatever church it is, the Lord led me here. It doesn't look great. This church, they don't got it all together, but I'm called here. I know I'm called here. Because, and you know you're called because even though through the hard times, you're like, I'm here. God has been blessing me. I hate that. That's how I know the churches. We have this consumerist mindset. I'm shopping around. I'm seeing, you know, do I agree with all of them? I hate it. Do I own my community or does God own my community? You know how I know when God owns your community? You have nothing to yourself. People are always at your house. When there's a need, they know they can depend on you. That's what it looks like. They know that you as the believer, even though they're not Christians and they may even hate God and they despise God, they look to you and they say, I know if I'm out, I can go and look to them. And even in Cain's selfishness and anger, we see a holy God meet him with compassion by inviting him to make the right choice. And so God asks him three questions, and I hope we ask ourselves the same three questions. When we're not stewarding well, when we're not stewarding according to God's will, I believe God asks the same three questions of us. He goes, why are you so angry? Some of us are stressed out, frustrated, and angry because our money ain't right. And God is like, why are you angry? Oh, God, I don't have enough. How don't you have enough? Everything I've given you has been from my hands. Are you stewarding well? I've called you into partnership with me to do these things well. And then he asks him a second question. He goes, why do you, so it's not only why are you angry. He asks him, why do you look so annoyed? Because not only is it an angry anger, an internal, because it's a secondary emotion, right? Anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. You have to see something and experience something and then become angry. Anyone ever get like, see something happen and then you just boil up on the inside? That's how you know it's a secondary emotion. So Cain saw that his offering wasn't good enough, and then he became angry. And then he started to look annoyed. 
A lot of us look annoyed right now because we always feel like we're running out of, we're running out of resource. And I find when we look stressed out or annoyed or frustrated is that we haven't placed our resources in the hand of the eternal. We've placed our resources in the hand of the finite. I got to work it out. I got to work four and five and six jobs. I got to do this. I got to hustle. I got to do that. Do you want to know how I know when you're not stewarding well? When you don't have a Sabbath. Let's talk about it. You're not stewarding well when you don't have a Sabbath. Because on your Sabbath, it says, I'm going to rest and relax. Because I sang, in so I sang this song at church that um, God never stops working. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. But yet when we don't take a Sabbath, we spit on that and we say, no, 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 you, I got to work this out. It's healthy to take a Sabbath. It's healthy to lay down and take a nap. It's healthy to take the day off. Because when you take the day off, you're saying, there is no strength in me. It's all in you. And even as I rest, you still continue to work it out for my good. But some of us don't keep the Sabbath. We think that's a weak Christian thing to do. You know, when you take a Sabbath and you rest and you're with your family, God begins to work in the spaces you couldn't even fathom. That's why Jesus said, keep the Sabbath holy. He knew that we would be a generation addicted to workaholism. We're addicted to work. We're addicted to the grind. We're addicted to all of that. So Jesus said specifically, keep the Sabbath day holy. Do not work. Because it's going to remind you that I'm good enough and I never stop working. But some of us treat the Sabbath as if it's another work day and then wonder why at the end of the week we're still not making ends meet. I remember working in retail. They were like, do you want to work an extra day and make some more money? Yes. And then by the time you get your paycheck after taxes, you're like, I got paid $20 for this day. I learned how to say no. Nope. I'm going, to do, I'm going to be better and stronger in my Sabbath than I will if I work this extra day. I'm good. Keep your money. The government's going to take most of it anyways. And then he asked him a third question. If you do well, if you do well, that means there's a decision to be made. He invi God invites Cain into this decision. If you do well, will you not be accepted? You know what that tells me? That he's a God of a second and a third and a fourth chance. He's asking you today in the areas of your life that you're not stewarding. He's like, if you do well, will I not bless you? Will I not keep you? Will I not let my countenance shine upon you if you do well? But we have to make the decision. Some of us think that God's going to force us into the decision, and he's not. If you tithe, will I not bless you? If you love your neighbor, will I not keep you? If you love your family, if you love me above all these things, will I not keep you in my perfect peace? Ron Mel said, how much God loves us. He tried to reason with Cain. He tried to reassure and comfort the disappointment, an angry man. And finally, he gave him a serious warning. But Cain had nurtured the anger and bitterness in his heart for so long that even God standing in the pathway before him wasn't going to stop him. He walked right around God to kill his only brother. 
Yes, some of us have not murdered anyone. But a lot of us, when we don't steward well, we get jealous of those who do have abundance. Yeah. Yeah. How come they have that? How come they're posting like that? The first murder was, was from jealousy. Yeah. That was, the first, that was the first big thing, was murder, because he was jealous of his brother. When we steward well in our lives, we don't look to the left or to the right. We're like, God, you've given me everything, so I'm going to fix my eyes on you because I want to give it back to you. Because when I'm walking in light of the Holy Spirit, I know I steward these things well. You think I'm jealous of any other church? No. God has called me to steward this church. God has called you to steward this church. You're not just a seat filler. He's called you here. So steward it well. You see, Jesus restores godly stewardship back to mankind through the Holy Spirit. He does. That's what he does. You want to know how to write this down somewhere Walking with the Holy Spirit is the only way to please God and steward well. That's it. You can't steward well if you're not walking with the Holy Spirit. You're just not, you're not going to do it well. Because you don't have the capacity to steward the infinite. You do not have the capacity to steward the infinite. We're serving a God with infinite resources and in, in, in abundance in, the, in that infinite. In my finite body, I don't have the capacity to steward the infinite well. But the Holy Spirit does. That's why when people come up to you and they're like, I don't know how you do it. You can say, yes, I do. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how I do it. Scripture says that without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. Jesus reorients stewardship. And he tells everyone that it begins with the heart and not how we manage things. In Luke 12, 34, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus tells us, I'm going to close, Jesus tells us the, the model for stewardship in a parable. We're going to go to Matthew 25, 14 to 29, and I'm moving quick because I don't have a lot of time I'm trying to steward time well. Jesus says again, it will be like the man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to, two, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who had two bags of gold and gave two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. If you're not giving your gifts back to God, you're digging, you're, you're putting your talents in the ground. Now, talent is a form of money. Whatever you don't give to God, you've put in the ground for you. Again, what did the other guys do? They took, their, their, they took whatever they had and they doubled it. They said, this is for me, but I'm going to make this benefit we. The last guy who had one, he said, this is for me and it's only going to be for me. And then what does he say? After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled his accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five 
and I brought five. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man who had two bags also said, master, you entrusted me with two, and I've gained you two more. And he goes, well done. You've been faithful with a few things. And then the man who'd received one came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you are wicked and a lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put the money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would receive, back, receive it back with interest. Some of us look at the value of our lives and we think we don't have a lot and we have so much. Don't you know that? When you said yes to Jesus, you became a co-heir in Christ. So you literally have abundance attached to your last name now. So much so that when you pour out oil, it doesn't stop pouring out until it feeds the community. Don't you know that? Don't you know that the last couple of dollars you give in the name of Jesus will multiply you at yours and them? Don't you know that? Don't you know that, that the meal that you cooked for a family who can't even cook for themselves is going to multiply your meal? Don't you know that? I met a guy who was just like, like we were, he's a Christian, a Christian. He is, he believes in Jesus. And every time we sat down to eat together, I would always pray. And he goes, I didn't, he's like, I never pray over a meal. And I'm like, have you ever been hungry? He's like, yeah. I'm like, now I know why. Even praying over a meal, God, thank you for this meal because I don't know if there's going to be another one and I don't know if I'll get to experience another one, but thank you for this meal right here. That's why some of us will never go hungry because we're thanking God for the small thing of a meal. You can't multiply with your hands closed. Some of us worship God with our hands closed. I'm going to hold on to everything that I have so tightly that God can't work with it. God can't work with closed hands. But when we live in this place of open hand and saying, God, I'm going to live with, with abundance in my hand. So much so that there's addition and multiplication. He even said it. He's like, you harvest where you have not sown. You reap where you have. And he tells him that God is in the, he's a God of multiplication and addition. He's like, I was scared to do it, so I put it in the ground. That's silliness. I'm going to run through these six practices, and they all start with an S, and I've got them on the screen because I'm trying to steward that well, too. It's all phonetically friendly. If you want to steward well, you have to get in the habit of these six practices. The first one is you have to supplicate. What does that mean, supplicate? Pray. You can't steward well what you haven't given to God. Why don't you give it back to the person who gave it to you? Some of you guys that God has given a family and you're like, God, I don't know what to do with them. Have you prayed about it? He's given it to you, right? I don't need to go into the statistical mathematics of, of the probability of you having children. You are one in like billions. You have to start with prayer. God, Holy Spirit, show me how to steward my family. Show me how to steward my finances. Show me how to steward my friends. In whatever area is overwhelming you, ask God to show you and give you wisdom on how to steward it. God, this area is overwhelming me. I don't know what to do with it. 
First thing that Solomon asked for when he became king was wisdom. God, give me wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Just stew. And he says to serve, to serve the, such a great people. He gives his people as a king back to God. Give me wisdom. With all of my dad's grandeur, give me wisdom and show me how to steward this well. So you got to supplicate. The second is you got to strategize. You got to come up with a plan. You got to come up with a plan. You got to, after you pray, come up with a plan. Strategize. All right, you know what? We've been eating out too much. Oh, I know I just hit a sore point there. We've been eating out too much. That, that's wild. It's like people eat out so much and then we're like, health. Like, oh, my health is bad. Strategize, plan. What are you going to do with what God has given you? When I got... <laughs> Miss Jerry knows, I used to drive a beater. My car was a beater. It used to sound like a go-kart coming down the street because I couldn't afford a car. And I remember the moment I got a new car, I told God, God, whoever I need to give a ride home, I'll give a ride home. Whoever I need to take, whatever I need to do, this car belongs to you. And there have been times in my life where someone's like, can I get a ride? And I'm like, Ugh. God is like, remember the promise you made? Remember what you said by your own words. You got to strategize. Come up with a plan. The third thing, you got to suspend or postpone. Suspend. It means to hold off instead of rushing into something impulsively. Some of us, we're blessed with abundance. We inherit something. We get something. And we're so quick to go, I got to get it out. Some of us have money burning in our pockets. Some of us have gifts burning to show the world. And God is like, pull back. Postpone it for a little bit. Mary, who was blessed with the, the, the gift of carrying our Savior, when the angel told her, it says she pulled back and she pondered. How many of us ponder these things? How many of us ponder, God, what do you want me to do with this? Or do we just give in to our lust and just buy what we want and get what we want and whatever? Fourth thing is to start. As soon as God gives you, the pl gives you the plan and you strategize, as soon as start, start doing it. Don't be disobedient. And you're like, Pastor, you just said to suspend. Yes, suspend when it's, when it's in your own will and you start when it's in God's will. If you're like, this is my will and I got to go do it, pull back. As soon as God gives you wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, start. If you don't start, you just put your talent in the ground. Some of you guys are waiting on God right now. God, I'm just waiting on you. He's like, I don't know why you're waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. I've given you the wisdom. Your faith is built up. Why are you still waiting on me? Go. Watch me part the waters, but you have to get there. Some of us want to walk on water, not literally. Some of us are looking to walk on water, and God is like, you're in the desert. Get to the beach. Get where there's water. The next thing is to stand firm. Stand firm. You got to persevere. Stewardship requires perseverance. Because there are times in our life where God blesses us and we get sloppy. I get sloppy. Stand firm. Persevere. Keep on giving it back to God. You've heard it said time and time again. Whatever you don't turn into praise turns into pride. 
Stand firm. Give it to God. God, I know you've blessed me with so much. Help me to steward it. And not only in this moment, but in the moments to come. You ever notice the men of the Bible like David, Solomon, they start off great, but over time they don't steward themselves. And they end up doing stupid and silly things. The last one, you have to shield it. You have to protect it. Whatever God has given you, whatever God has given you to steward, you have to protect. And I don't mean protect as to keep people out. I mean to protect as to say, God, I will not let the enemy rob from me which that you have given me. I got to protect it. You got to protect it from people's opinions. You got to protect it from people's mouths. You got to protect it from any, protect it. No, no, no. I'm not going to let you take this because God has given it to me to steward. He didn't give it to you. He gave it to me. You can't just let any, anybody walk in and do and say what they want. You don't even let the enemy. Matter of fact, I'm going to be real transparent. Don't let your friends, don't let your parents, don't let any close relative come and do to the thing that God has blessed you with. No, he's given it to me. No one's going to touch my kids because God gave those kids to Tasha and I, to steward. Don't be the one at your job that jumps in the group and says, yeah, this job sucks. No, God gave you that job. Be the one that says, you know, I'm not going to talk bad about it. This is the job that God gave me, and I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah. What a wild thought. We didn't jump into the job-hating moment, and we said, nah, God gave me this job. I know what it's like to be without. Protect your heart. Protect your mind. Protect your spirit. Stewardship is not a one-day thing. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You are stewarding until we can give it back to him. That's the beauty. Because what you earn can't go in your urn. What you earn cannot go in the grave with you. We can't take it to heaven and barter with God to get into heaven. Until I meet Christ face to face, I want to be able to say, God, I stewarded everything that you gave me really well. And here it is, it belongs. I want it to go back to you. Does everyone receive that today? Could you stand with me? We're gonna pray. And whoever's doing announcements. Father, I just wanna thank you for this day that you made. Show, her, show us how to steward all of your blessings well and the places where we've been messy, and the places that we didn't steward well, and the places that we don't have an attitude of gratitude, Jesus, just give us the ability to steward well, and thank you for each and everything. Whether we like it or not, or whether we understand it or not, we give it back to you. You have called us to steward all of creation. Thank you for making abundance our birthright, and so we steward from that place. Give us wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.